0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service.
1: Good morning, church family. Let's stand to our feet this morning, and let's pray together as we get started. God, we are here not to walk, but to run after your presence this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Please be here with us as we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name.
0: you would direct us, Lord. And for many of us, you would rescue us. Lord, you ultimately rescued us thousands of years ago. Because of that rescue, we get to have life forever in heaven with you. But Lord, for, for some of us right now, we're facing something and we need rescue. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that through this worship and through this message, that you do something in us to, to make us know You have us. Lord, that you would give us a whole new perspective on the situation that we're facing and that we would walk out of here changed. God, it's so incredible that you love us so much. The creator of the universe wants to rescue me. (laughs) The creator of the universe wants to rescue us. We praise you for that, Lord. We praise you for that. Thank you, God, for for always being there for us, for always taking care of us. Thank you for meeting with us even this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's give the Lord a praise offering. so deserves it. And as you guys are making your way back to your seats, just want to thank you so much for... Coming to Fellowship Church this morning. Uh, If you are with us this morning in person, if you're a guest, if you're new, we would love to have a record of you being here. So if you'll swing by uh, the information counter, if you'll fill out a visitor's card, we would love to give you some more information about the church also invite you to an upcoming guest reception. You can also register with us by simply taking out your smartphone and texting uh, the word fellowship to 94,000. And that will give you a link over to some more information about the church and how you can better get connected there. Now, if you're watching online, thank you. Thank you for being a part of our church family. We understand that you could watch a lot of church services this morning with a lot of different churches as but thank you for being a part of our family. We thank you uh, for tuning in and uh, thank the Lord that we have this incredible ministry. Our tech ministry just does such a good job with our, all of our law online Services. Well, we're going to continue to worship now with the giving of tithes and offerings. I hope you've come prepared to give back. Uh, how you can give here at Fellowship, super simple. Uh, you can use the Church Center app, which if you've not downloaded that yet, you're coming to Fellowship, make sure you do. It will really help you stay connected to all the events that we have here at Fellowship, help you to be able to check your kids in and also register uh, for different events that we have coming up. Also, you can give online uh, on our website. You can also text tithe, as well as drop off any offerings or tithe. Uh, here in the lobby. We have offering boxes there. You can mail them in, of course. But I hope you've come prepared to give, and let's worship him together as we do. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we recognize that every good and perfect gift that you've given us is coming from you. And I pray now that as we give back to you, Lord, we would do with a cheerful heart. I pray, Lord, that everything that would come in would be to your honor and glory sufficient for your church's needs. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all the financial storms you have brought us through in our life. You've rescued us so many times financially. And we're going to give to you with a heart of praise, uh, recognizing that. So Lord, we do that now. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you as you give. We've got a lot of stuff coming up here at Fellowship. One is we have a cornhole tournament coming up April 3rd. Yes, it's gonna be awesome. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if you know this, but my niece is a professional cornhole uh, tosser, thrower, is, I don't know exactly what you would say, but she's a pro. She's in Atlantic City right now in a, uh, a like a worldwide tournament competing in cornhole. And her and her husband are actually gonna be running the tournament for us. She's awesome, but you know what? We're not. We're not good at cornhole. None of us here are good at cornhole. So you don't have to uh, register thinking that you gotta be good. This is about connecting and having a good time. Uh, So please register. It will be a really, really fun afternoon. We're gonna do it uh, on April 3rd, right after the 11 o'clock service in the 4640 Auditorium. We're gonna have uh, all kinds of barbecue, really, really good food all kinds of prizes. It's $25 a person that covers your food and the prizes. And we're gonna give out prizes even for those of us that stink at Cornhole, okay? So you'll have an opportunity to win something. But I know for many of you, you would like to do an activity. Maybe it's father-son, or father-daughter, or mom-son, or mom-daughter, or maybe you just have a friend that you'd like to throw some bags around with. Uh, Make sure you register. And the easiest way to do that is registering on the Church Center app, Uh, or you can come by the Information Center. We can register you in person, but that will be fun. That's just a few weeks away. Well, I'm so excited about our new series, Rescued. Uh, God is really, really gonna bless. Can't wait for the next few weeks just to see what God is gonna do And that. Also, here's some other things that are happening here at Fellowship.
1: Hey, parents of kids, fifth grade and under, I have a little pro tip for you. If you guys would start parking on the west side of the building, this is going to help you out a ton. It'll also benefit the church. Our east side of the parking lot is super full, but this will help you enter, get checked in super quick. I know sometimes we can be running late, so this will help you enter really quickly, check in your kiddos. They can run to class. You can have time to grab coffee, whatever you need to do before church starts, and then you can exit super easy through those glass doors in the nursery. And that parking lot they have coned off for you. I know this can be a crazy time, so make sure you park on the west side. This is going to help your family so much. Young adults, we have our Bible study coming up for you guys starting on April 5th. It's going to be Tuesday nights at 6 30. This is a great way for you guys to find other people in your age and stage of life that are following Christ, that are wanting to dig deeper into his word and find those relationships that you need in this crucial time of your life. This is for people that are 19 through 29. Don't miss it. Sign up on the church center app. Divorce care is coming up on April 6th. It's going to be on Wednesday nights at 6 30. Y'all we know that divorce is hard and there are so many effects and there's pain that we walk through. So whether you've gone through divorce or you're going through it, this is a class for you. It's only $16. You sign up on the church center app and you can get your books in the bookstore. Please sign up if this is something that you need. I am so excited for our brand new series that we are starting today. It's called Rescue. Pastor Jale has an incredible message and it's from the heart of God to you. Please enjoy today's service.
2: I made a trip from Grand Junction over to Denver to pick up my sister and her two kids at the airport. And we were driving back and we had just come through Eisenhower Tunnel and we're coming down the pass into Silverthorne and we were in the leftmost lane of traffic when suddenly a huge puddle appeared across my entire lane. And I had that split second decision to make. Do I veer towards the guardrail that looked extremely flimsy within the drop off to the eastbound traffic or or As I'm checking my blind spot, I see a semi-truck barreling down that center lane. And as soon as my car, my rental car, at 60 miles an hour hits that puddle, it begins to hydroplane. And I decide not to go for the wheels of the semi-truck. So I just cry out, and I literally have time to just say, Jesus! And as soon as I do, the back end of the car smashes against the guardrail. And then that flings the car forward and the front End of the car hits the guardrail, and then the entire car is scraping down the guardrail and it's making the most god awful sound. Luckily, the semi driver observed me in my peril and he accelerated past us as quick as he could on dry ground. And the other cars in the lanes gave us a wide berth. I regained control switch lanes, switch lanes, and got all the way over to the right side of the road and pulled off the interstate. I'm shaking, I'm crying, I turn to my sister in the passenger seat and she's no better off. And then the two of us spin around and we check on the kids and they're unharmed take a few deep breaths, and get out of the car to decide if the car is even drivable at this point. My sister, meanwhile, gets in the back seat, checks on her kids, hugs them, and I walk down the left side of the vehicle to inspect the damage. And I don't believe my eyes, so I call to my sister. And she comes out, and she pops her head out of the back seat, and she's like, is it undrivable?" And I say, well, come take a look. And though we hit the guardrail twice at 60 miles an hour and screeched along the entire length of the car for quite some distance, there was not a scratch, not a dent, not a fleck, not a nick of paint out of place. The two of us get back into the vehicle and sit down, take some more deep breaths, and my six-year-old nephew says, hey, Aunt J.L., the car is fine, huh? And I said, well, yeah. Yeah. It is. And he goes, Yes, that's because if you crash into God, it's very loud, but very soft. And I go, exactly. Somehow this six-year-old little boy knew that God had rescued us that day. That it wasn't a guardrail we had hit, it was Jesus somehow. And that we had been rescued from a very destructive fate. There are moments in our lives where each one of us needs rescued. And that's why this week we're launching a brand new series called Rescued. And we're going to be digging into the scriptures and looking at different examples from the Bible where people get rescued by God. Why God jumps into the midst of our situations and intervenes in the lives of humanity. He rescues us. He rescues us from our sin, from our shame, and he also rescues us from those dark, lonely moments that we encounter in our lives. Colossians chapter one says this, "'For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness "'and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, "'who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins.'" Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. And he made what we can see and what we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And he existed before anything else and holds together all creation. And when we read the Bible, we encounter so many rescue stories. But when we read them, we already read them with the end in mind. It's like a spoiler alert where we know what's going to happen before it even happens because the stories are so familiar and told to us from our childhood. So when we open our Bible and we start to read and and we see that David is going to go to battle against the Goliath, we don't freak out. We know he's a teenager. We know Goliath is a seasoned soldier, but that doesn't bother us because we know in the end God rescues David. David. And when we read about Daniel in the lion's den and we recognize that a guy is being thrown into a den of hungry, ravenous lions, we don't panic because we know that God shuts the mouths of the lions and everything turns out just fine. And when we see that, that Mary and Martha have lost their brother and he has died and Jesus should have come and rescued them, but he's four days late and then there's a funeral, we don't grieve. We don't grieve with Mary and Martha because we know that in just a couple verses that Lazarus is gonna get risen from the dead and everything ends up just fine. And when we see these stories in the Bible and we know the end, it kind of ruins the plot because we don't ever really put ourselves into the story and watch and feel the story unfold. But the truth is that these Bible characters we read about, they had no more assurance of rescue in the middle of their crisis than I did, flying 60 miles an hour out of control down a mountain pass. When they were rescued, it was every bit as miraculous. They went into the lion's den, into the battle, into the funeral procession, crying their hearts out, asking God to be their rescuer. And this morning, we're going to focus in on one particular Bible story where God rescued three men and these three men were in a situation where they were in a foreign land, and the king of that land set up a golden statue and the statue was in 90 feet tall and he made a demand that everyone in his kingdom would bow down and worship this golden statue and so the king gathered the nation together and the music began to play and the statue was there and everyone bowed down to this statue except for three guys remained standing and refused to bow. And when the king and his officials saw these three men not bowing when he was command when they were commanded to bow, they were drug up before the king because there had been an announced death penalty for anyone who refused to bow down. And the three men are standing before the king and they're given an opportunity to give an explanation before their life sentence or their death sentence. Let's pick up the story in Daniel chapter three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual, and then he ordered some of his strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men into the fire. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, tied securely, fell into the roaring flames." And I wanna pause the familiar story right here, and I wanna challenge us this time, as we're going through the story, to not remember the end for a second. Let's imagine we're there. Let's imagine we are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We haven't bowed before the statue, and now we've been drugged in front of the king, and we're having to give an explanation before our death penalty. Your mouth would go dry, your hands would get sweaty, your heart would begin to race. You might even think about compromising in that moment. should you just bow down and ask God to forgive you later? I mean, that seems to be what everybody else is doing. And in that moment, right when you're deciding, you're picturing the face of your loved one, you're imagining the beautiful faces of your precious children, and you're recognizing that your life on earth could be seconds from ending And then one of your friends blurts out an answer to the king as bold as that one. And you realize you've got no options. The soldiers begin to bind you up and you're about to be thrown into the fire. Imagine the the panic that's shearing through you. You're thinking about heaven, but you're also realizing your time on this planet is basically over. Now many of us have never been tossed into a literal fire, but we feel like we've been thrown into a fire before, the fire of divorce the fire of anxiety, the fire of stress, the fire of illness, the fire of financial pressure. Many of us have felt like we've been thrown into a fire and we're crying out for our God to rescue us. And we're in this fire and we can feel like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We can feel absolutely alone and without a solution. But we are never alone. Hebrews thirteen five says this, for he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. And even if we can't see the help that God is sending to us, the help is always with us. And these three Hebrew men, they tumble into the fire. They had no solid evidence that God was gonna meet them in the fire. They just had his promise and that was enough and that made them resolute. Remember what they said? I read it just a few minutes ago. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Where did these three men get that level of confidence. Where, where did that level of swagger come from? That they, they were being thrown into a fiery furnace and they said, but even if he doesn't, we're still not gonna bow. I think they got that confidence because it wasn't the first fire they'd ever been thrown into. If you remember the more of the history of the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were teenagers when their land was conquered by this very king and his forefathers. They were exiled. They were drugged from Israel to Babylon. They were sold as slaves, and they were stripped of their culture, their homeland, their possessions, their language, even their names, even they even lost their names in fact when the Bible refers to Shadrach Meshach and Abednego those are their those are their Babylonian names the names of their conquerors Their real names were Hananiah Mishael, and Azariah but even that was stripped away from them so these men knew what it was like to walk through a fire they knew what it was like to lose everything and have to cling and depend on a God to rescue them and so they're in the fire and they know what it's like and so being thrown into a real fire didn't seem like that big of a stretch because they'd already at some point lost everything. They knew that God could rescue them from the fire, or if he didn't, that they would be walking through the fire with him. Let's pick up the story in Daniel chapter 3 again. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent an angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own we all need to be rescued from time to time. Life will bring us up into a circumstance or a situation where there's no human escape. There is no way out of it. Whether the situation is physical or spiritual or emotional, we will all find ourselves at some point of our lives where we need rescued. And God has an individual rescue plan for every single one of his kids. The first truth I wanna to highlight today is face your fire with a total confidence that God is your rescuer. You're gonna have fire, and so when you face it, be confident that God is your rescuer. The story of Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah, one thing is super clear, these guys were persuaded. They were confident. They they knew they were resolute. They knew the faithfulness of God and no punishment, no consequence, no threat was going to pressure them into worshiping some idol. They believed the promise and the protection of God was for them. And if life has pushed you too far, then it's time to rise up with the attitude of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and to say, that's enough. An attitude where you are completely confident in your God. You might say, God can rescue me from arthritis, but even if He does not, I will not bow. God can restore my marriage, but even if He does not, I will not bow. God can cause me to prosper, but even if He does not, I will not bow. God can heal my relationship with my adult children, but even if He does not, I will not bow. God loves it when we speak in faith about what he's able to do. It's like a kid bragging to a friend about how tough his dad really is. It it puffs God up and it's never an exaggeration. The second truth is that we can face the fire giving God room to work outside of your expectations. When you face a fire, give God room to work outside of your expectations. You might have expected a fully confident Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to get King Nebuchadnezzar to back down. I mean, when they threw that in his face and they said, even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. You would have thought that maybe Nebuchadnezzar would have backed off a little bit, but he didn't. Instead, he pressed in harder. He turned up the heat and the pressure even more when they were confident. And things might be heating up in your life. Maybe that cancer battle, the sickness, mental illness, a custody situation, doubt, loneliness. You might find yourself staring down a fire. And if you are, maybe you expected your miracle to come before the fire actually reached you. Maybe you thought the way God was gonna rescue was to stop the fire from touching you, but now you're in the middle of the fire. And sometimes God's rescue plan isn't to stop the fire from getting to us. It's to stop and go with us through the fire so that we recognize like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we are never alone. Don't despair. When the devil turns up the heat, God does too. And things get worse, the truth is that God might want to make a rescue plan that doesn't look how you thought it would look. And we have to let God surprise us. We have to allow God to have the freedom to choose the how and the when and the why of how he's going to rescue us as his kids. We must give him the freedom and the space to work without limiting him with our in the box thinking of what it means to be rescued by God. Number three, face your fire with your focus on God's track record with you. God's past history of being faithful is the greatest indicator that he will be faithful in the future. His past history of being faithful is the number one indicator that he's going to be faithful in the future. I've been through some hard stuff in my life over the years, and I've faced some fires of my own. And many times I've been sitting in the midst of a personal crisis, and I have literally stopped and done this exercise. Here's my current crisis, and I've thought to myself, what was my last crisis? Did I live through that? Did I get through that with God's help? Am I still standing? Okay. What was the crisis right before that? Did God rescue me from that one too? Am I still standing? What about the one before that and before that? And I will recite to myself the history of God rescuing me. I'll recite to myself the history of God coming through for me in difficult circumstances. And that will sometimes give me the confidence to know that he is going to come through for me again. When I very first moved to Colorado, I had um, no family in the entire state and actually pretty much no friends. I was single and... um, I had just graduated from college and I was all alone. I was confident that God had called me to fellowship church. I was excited about trying to build a youth ministry here at this church, but I was also really lonely. And I'd go to the office in the morning and I would just go after it. And I'd pray and I'd create activities and things that might wanna attract teenagers and and try to grow the youth group and and do all different kinds of stuff, teaching kids the Bible and worship. and, And then I'd go home at night and I was horrifically alone I would sit there and I would feel absolutely isolated and cut off and just plain lonely and I remember praying and saying God won't you give me some friends But as I looked around, everyone around me was in a completely different stage and season of life than I was. But I thought, God, would you please rescue me from this loneliness? And so I began to invest in some friends and and people around me and and grow some friendships. And about a year later, I had a moment where I realized, wow, wow. I'm not lonely anymore. I have friends, we're hanging out. I have these uh, women around me and we're having so much fun. We're laughing together. God has truly answered my prayer and, and rescued me from this loneliness. And then just as quick as I thought that in the blink of an eye, within a couple months span, both women went through horrible life situations, betrayal, heartbreak, and both of them were completely removed from my life. And I remember realizing when the crisis hit the second one that I was by myself again. And I went home to my apartment that night and I stood there just feeling isolated again in loneliness. But, but I did that same exercise and I thought to myself, wait a sec, God rescued me from loneliness before. God, God found me in a friendless state and brought me friends before. He can do the same thing again. If he did it once, he can do it again. And so I began to pray, God, won't you give me friends in Colorado again? I'm so lonely. And lo and behold, as life unfolded, he did. I have an amazing husband, a whole bunch of kids. Now I just wish to be left alone to go to the bathroom or something, right? But God is able to bring a rescue story into our lives and when we think through his history with us we think of the times he's come through for us in the past that should build our faith and confidence that he's going to do it again Isaiah 43 says the one who formed you says do not be afraid for I have ransomed you I have called you by name and you are mine when you go through deep waters I will be with you when you go through rivers of difficulty you will not drown God When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. God isn't isn't always gonna rescue us from the fire. Instead, he's willing to walk with us through the fire. And like it says in that verse that the flames will not, will not be burned up and the flames will not consume us. And so as we walk through it and we walk through the fire of heartbreak or, or the cancer appointments or the anxiety or the loss of a loved one, we will not be burned up. Nebuchadnezzar made the fire so hot that the strongest men in his army could not withstand it. But the children of God could. And as a child of God, we can thrive through things that take other people out. We can be victorious through things that other people are devastated by. Because it doesn't matter if the same trial affected someone else a certain way before. We are not a statistic. We're his kids. And so God will come through for us in a completely different way than we can imagine. If you find yourself in the fire, then God is going to meet you in the middle of that fire, and he will empower you, and he is capable and willing to rescue you. The rescue plan is that you are never alone, that you will never be without help, and that you will never be destroyed in spite of any circumstances. The fourth truth is this, face your fire by getting closer to him. Face your fire by getting closer to him. Three crazy things happened for these guys in the middle of the fire, right? The first is they were thrown into the fire with chains, but the chains broke off. The second thing is they walked with Jesus in the fire. And the third is they didn't even smell like smoke. Let's think about that for a second. These men were thrown into the fire, fully bound, fully chained up. But somehow in the midst of their trial, in the midst of their heartbreak, in the midst of that fire, they became free. The children of God weren't fried up in the fire, they were freed up in the fire. And the truth is that our God is able to use the circumstances of trials and hardship in our lives to rescue us from that, but also to help us level up. And so here we find these men walking around in the fire and the devil had confined them. And maybe you feel like the devil's confined you to a small way of thinking or living or a lack, But Jesus, as you go through the fire, he wants to set you free. So that's the first thing that happened to him in the fire. The other thing is, they walked with Jesus. Even King Nebuchadnezzar, who didn't know God at all, was able to look into the fire and identify that the fourth in the fire was the Son of God. And you have to think about where this story fits in the timeline of the Bible, because this is Old Testament this is before Jesus was ever born. And yet the Bible says that, that the fourth, the son of God that was in the fire, that's amazing. These men were close to Jesus in their darkest moment of their life. They, they, they found Jesus in the midst of their fire. And what I've discovered in my life is that the closer I get to Jesus in a trial, the more protected I feel. The hard time can cause someone to run from him or run to him. And we each have that choice that these guys found themselves in the fire, in the flame, walking with Jesus before he was even born. It was one of the very first glimpses of humanity of the son of God, because there is something special and beautiful and powerful about trial and heartbreak. The Bible says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. There is a closeness and an intimacy with God available to us when we need rescue that is not available in other circumstances. So these guys had their chains fall off. They walked with Jesus and, and then they came out and the Bible says they didn't even smell like smoke. That's just God showing off, really. Really? I mean, they didn't even smell, they were, I I can't roast a marshmallow and not smell like smoke. But these guys were in the fire and they came out not smelling like smoke. And here's the truth I think we need to hold on to. Sometimes we think I'm worse off for what I went through. I went through something horrible and I'm worse off Or the mama heart in us women, my kids went through something horrible and they'll never recover. And that is not true. We can go through a fire and come out without even smelling like smoke. It does not matter if that same trial has hurt other people, weakened other people, caused struggle and long-term damage in the life of someone else. If we are a child of God and we're tucked into God, we can go through any trial that we need rescued from and come out not even smelling like smoke. So take courage in that. You got this because you're never alone. There is another in the fire.
3: a grace when the heart is under fire. Another
4: way when the walls are closing in. And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this
2: Promotion. The Bible says in verse 30 of the same chapter, it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted by King Nebuchadnezzar to a higher level of leadership, a higher level of trust. And sometimes when we go through a fire, we think, This is the worst thing that could be happening to me. But God might be preparing your promotion. Because when you come out of the fire and you don't smell like smoke, That is just proof to everyone around you that God's favor is on you, that his faithfulness will sustain you, that he is protecting you. That's that's attractive to the people around you. They, They want to promote you. And so if you've been going through a fire, I want to encourage you to know you're not alone and you're also setting yourself up for an epic promotion from God. Let me pray for you. We love you so much. We thank you that you never abandon us to walk through the flames of life alone. You are always with us. And God, I pray, especially for those in the room that would acknowledge in their own hearts that they are in a fire, they're struggling, they're hurting, they're broken. I pray that they would find themselves tucking into you like never before. They would feel your strength coursing through their body, that they would be encouraged by remembering who you are and your track record with them, God. And I pray that you would set them up for an incredible promotion in their future, God. That you would promote them in their relationships, in their finances, in their workplace. That they would come through this fire, this trial stronger, better, and more confident that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond what we could ever think hope or imagine. We love you so much. Thank you for walking with us through the fire. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you, church family. We'll see you guys next Sunday morning for part two
3: of Rescued. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior and to guide my life, to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.